Hello, and welcome to the Still to be Determined podcast, the podcast that follows up on topics from the YouTube channel Undecided with Matt Farrell. I'm Sean Farrell. I'm a dullard and a writer. <laughs> Jeez. And I'll be asking the questions of my brother Matthew. Matthew is here as well. Hello, everybody. Today we're going to be talking about the last episode, which is the truth about hydrogen fuel cells. A future beyond cars? No. Question mark. This was released on September 15th, 2020. And the reason I say that I am a dullard is because this episode made uh -huh. me feel incredibly stupid. <laughs> okay. <laughs> My job is done here. <laughs> I felt the way our dad does when he tries to watch Star Trek. <laughs> so I know that they shot him with a transporter, but why did that pale guy say that he was processing instead of just answering the question because he's an android dad he's a what <laughs> an android like a robot oh why does he look like that then because he was made to look human but he doesn't look human i know but he's he's a he's an android <laughs> that's how i felt through this episode which excellent <laughs> i say that as a point on the details of it like my my inability to grasp some of the chemical uh reaction stuff that you were talking about but the big picture stuff is all i was Clear. able to get to that summit okay, good. so good. i was able to see all of that yeah. so when i my first question is can you walk me through again you you described this fuel cell technology is basically sitting between a battery and a combustion engine it, it, the analogy I was trying to make was it's a lot like an internal combustion engine because a combustion engine, you have diesel fuel or some kind of fuel source that's going into a chamber that's getting ignited and bursting into flames. And then the engine is using that captured energy release to turn a piston and generate the electricity. A fuel cell also needs a fuel source. So in this example, it would be hydrogen. So you got hydrogen that's being blasted against one side of the fuel cell and you have oxygen being blasted against the other side of the fuel cell. And a chemical reaction takes place, which is stripping apart the ions from the atoms, and they're flowing through the battery, which is being, I mean, through the fuel cell, which is being captured as the electro electrical source. That's what's generating the electricity. The stripping of the ions is creating Correct. electricity. Now, in an internal combustion engine, the output is carbon dioxide. That's the result of burning that fuel. In a fuel cell, the result of doing this process is basically just releasing water. <laughs> Cause, okay. Because it's hydrogen combining with the oxygen into water. So it's very much like a internal combustion engine because you need a constant source of fuel, whether that's methane gas or hydrogen gas. It needs some gas, some source of fuel to initiate this chemical reaction that can take place inside the fuel cell to generate, to, to strip apart those ions to make electricity. Mm -hmm. So that's where it's like that. The reason I said it's also like a battery is because batteries, fuel cells in cars still need batteries because they can't generate, a f uh, they can't fluctuate their energy production rapidly. So they need to be able to uh, put energy that they're generating into a battery pack. So when you hit the gas on the car, it can go because it needs a sudden burst of energy and that battery pack acts as a buffer for it. 
but fuel cells in themselves are a lot more efficient at using that fuel source than an internal combustion engine. A lot of energy from that explosion in your car is lost. It's just waste heat. It's just waste energy. Mm-hmm. In a fuel cell, a lot more of that energy that's being released is being used. So it's a lot more efficient than the internal combustion engine, which is why I was saying it's kind of similar to a battery in that regard, because it's a much better step forward than internal combustion engines. But batteries are crazy efficient because they're like 80 to 90% efficient because what energy you put in, you get almost all of it back out. Mm -hmm. But it's actually storing the energy in in a chemical process where fuel cells are not storing energy. So it's like, it kind of sits in between where it's it's got a little bit of the efficiency of a battery, but it's a lot like a internal the combustion engine. The mechanics of it are yes. more like an engine. Yes. All right. I hope that About, made sense. Yes, that does make sense. <laughs> okay. That was, that was very helpful. One of the things that I thought was the most amusing out of the video was your discussion around Apple and Apple using hydrogen fuel cells as a backup. If I understood you correctly, they're using it as a backup to their backup. Yes. Yep. And your shot of the Apple, uh, I assume it was Apple headquarters. I, I honestly had never really seen any images of their headquarters before, but it's that giant ring shaped yeah. building it's and it looked building. like something out of devs. And the next moment you say Microsoft is also considering this and your shot of that is an above, a, a high above the ground shot looking straight down at what looked like an 18 wheeler trailer park <laughs> with three looking almost abandoned trailers. <laughs> and I thought, and, they, and there were some, there were some large pipes coming out of them. And I was just like, well, that's really the perfect analogy for those two. <laughs> yes, it is. Those two entities. <laughs> it's, yeah. One that's super concerned one, about design and the other one that's very just, we're just being very practical. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. On the one hand, it's a, oh, and on the other side, it's the pocket, the pocket, the pocket, the pocket. Yeah. You lay out a comparison among a lot of different energy. I want to get the terminology right. Energy production models. When you're mm-hmm. talking about cost per, I think it's co- cost per megawatt is what you're talking about. Cost per megawatt, yes. yes. And you and you demonstrate how it's sitting somewhere. The the fuel cells are sitting somewhere in the middle, mm-hmm. um, so not as cheap as the. And it's really uh, remarkable how much cheaper the solar and wind power really is mm-hmm. in producing. And it, I mean. It, sort of made me scratch my head and like, if that's the case, why aren't people scrambling faster <laughs> yeah. toward that? And I mean, like countries and energy companies. Well, they, they are. I mean, some of them are, but the, the big, the biggest problem is energy storage. There's just not enough energy storage. So right. you can generate crazy amounts of power for sun in the middle of the day and you have to curtail it because you can't use it all. Right. So until we get better energy storage, it's just wasted. Which is one of the arguments for fuel cells because like in Apple's example, they have, it's a backup to the backup, their fuel Mm -hmm. cell. Well, it's like their solar generates too much energy. So they take some of that excess and they're putting it into their battery packs and the battery packs get full. The leftover energy from that then can be dumped into electrolysis to make hydrogen for their fuel cells. Mm. So it's, there's an, the argument of fuel cells aren't as efficient as batteries 
really doesn't matter if you take into consideration of there's going to be wasted electricity. Right. So it's less about it's less about standalone, isolated energy production or storage, but really thinking through computational logic almost of a series of dominoes that are falling to most efficiently use all the benefits of each individual part. Yes. I mean, this isn't directly related to the fuel cells, but I have a video coming up talking about liquid air batteries. And I talked to the CEO of a company that's building those. And he brought up a point which I hadn't really thought of it in this way because I had asked him about liquid air batteries aren't as efficient as lithium ion. And he said, that's the wrong way to look at the equation. He said, he doesn't know one person in the industry that cares about efficiency. It all comes down to the cost per megawatt. Mm. And he said, if you have a slightly less efficient thing to store that energy, but you have a much lower cost per megawatt when you pair this storage system with this type of generation, it creates as a whole this cost per megawatt, that's all that people care about. Mm-hmm. And so he said, you could have a battery pack of stuff that is crazy efficient, but it's twice the cost. Nobody cares because its price per megawatt is more expensive. Mm-hmm. So that that is kind of why I brought up in this video the price per megawatt for fuel cells versus solar on its own versus other forms of energy because that is what the industry cares about. So your, your point of why is not everybody racing towards this? Well, they are if they can figure out how to get that price per megawatt to a v- the lowest possible rate they can get mm-hmm. when combining it with some kind of energy storage system. And it occurs to me, this ties into one of the comments that I wanted to talk about uh, from the video, which is there's really two costs at play here. There's the cost per megawatt and then there's the cost of the technology itself like mm-hmm. the actual production of the thing. One of your viewers, Jojo for games <laughs> Jojo wrote, I keep saying hydrogen production would be a great energy dump when moving to more renewable energy sources. Obviously, batteries would be a better option, but adding more capacity for hydrogen storage is dramatically less expensive. Do you agree with his statement that the capacity for hydrogen storage is less expensive than battery production? No, because once again, it comes back down to the price per megawatt. The The actual like containers to hold hydrogen are cheap. They're so much cheaper. The liquid air, going back to liquid air batteries, even though we're not talking about that, I'm going to bring it up anyway. Um, <laughs> going back it, to the, one, next week's video. Yeah. Well, one of the reasons it's a very interesting technology is because it's using the exact same kind of tanks that are used to store hydrogen. So it's like, mm-hmm. and part of the reason that that's enticing is, these things Exist. are all over the place. They're being manufactured at scale, crazy cheap, very easy to make. So in that regard, yes, that is true, that it's very cost efficient to buy these energy, these uh, storage tanks for hydrogen. But the cost, when you factor in the cost of, ma- of the electrolysis to make the hydrogen, to store it, compress it, transport it, when you put all that stuff together it gets, the, the cost just goes way up. So it's mm. like, you can't, you can't just focus on, well, this one piece of a fuel cell infrastructure is super cheap, so it's more efficient. It's like, no, 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 you have to look at the whole big picture. So that's kind of where I would, I agree with him in isolation, but when you look at the whole picture, it's not the case mm-hmm. yet. 
I mean, it could, it will get cheaper over time as more hydrogen facilities ramp up. But right now, that's not the case. Is what you just described also part of the reason why this is not a energy source that would likely be useful in cars and trucks? Because <laughs> you would need to have, you would have to have tanks of hydrogen of such a size in the vehicle that it would be counterproductive for the vehicle itself, right? No, not really. I mean, in passenger cars, it's like there already are hydrogen fuel cell cars, but the biggest hurdle for them right now is currently to own a hydrogen fuel cell car is more expensive than a gas car. So coming back to that, you know, price per megawatt, it's like if you're talking about cars, the math is just not there. Like right. to own a battery car, it might be a little more expensive up front, but over the course of three to five years, owning that car gets cheaper than a gas car. So there's your there's your uh, money for a, buying a battery car. But for a fuel cell car, it's more expensive up front and it's more expensive in the long run because you're paying more per quote, like I don't want to say gallon because it's hydrogen, but you're paying more to just run the vehicle than you would with gas. And that's insane. <laughs> it's like, yeah. Who, who, who's going to want to do that? <laughs> and the, the biggest hurdle for hydrogen is the infrastructure. Like people argue because it's, e it's easier to fill your car up, like on a long road trip. It's just like a gas car. You pull into a hydrogen station, you're filled up in a few minutes and you're on your way where the battery car, you're sitting there for 45 minutes charging your car up. It's like, okay, that's, that's a fair point, but there's no infrastructure for hydrogen anywhere. And for battery cars, if you can find an outlet, you can charge. Right. <laughs> and there's outlets everywhere. So it's like you don't necessarily need a crazy charging of a structure to have a battery car make sense, especially for like local travel, because mm -hmm. where you park, you can usually charge. So hydrogen has to build out gas stations. They have to build out infrastructure for making the hydrogen, transporting the hydrogen. It's basically replicating what we have today for gasoline. And that's a massive infrastructure you have to build out. And that's the biggest hurdle right now for fuel cells. Mm. Unless you're doing something like what Apple's doing and Microsoft is doing, where you have these battery, you're using them as like a backup to the backup, where you can install your own electrolysis system and you are manufacturing hydrogen on the same premises as the fuel cell. Then suddenly the, econ the economy of scale like starts to ramp up because there's no transport. There's, you know, you're, you're keeping your costs down by doing it that way. That's not the case when you're talking, as soon as you get into vehicles, that's not the case anymore. Right. You have to, cause you're going to be having to transport hydrogen all over the place to try to supply vehicle, the, the vehicles with the fuel. George Goldenfinnig wrote, he's taking an issue with quote, efficiency without defining your terms. So I was wondering if you could go into a little more detail about what you meant by efficiency of the engines. It's the fuel cells. I'm sorry. The efficiency yeah. of the fuel cells. It's like when you're talking about, I don't know the numbers off the back of my head, not the top of my head. So it's like how much energy is being, how much energy capacity is there in hydrogen? Like if you blew up hydrogen, how much energy is going to get released? What's the energy potential of that fuel source? And then you have to look at the other side of how much energy are you getting out of it? And there's mm -hmm. your energy efficiency rating. So does that make sense? So that's why it's like batteries are 80 to 90% efficient because if you put one kilowatt in, you might get 
0.8. You might get 900 watts out. You may not get okay. the full thousand. So that's 90% efficient. And that's why when you talk about gasoline cars, which might be 20% efficient, 25% efficient, the amount of energy in gasoline, you're only able to kind of claim 25% of that. And the other 75% is just waste heat and just like getting lost. So right. that's the that's where the energy efficiency is. And the numbers I threw out in that fuel cell video when I was looking at the life cycle of fuel cell, because you have to take into account the making of it, the transporting of it, the use of it. It's like you have to look at it from beginning to end. What is the energy efficiency to produce it, to use it? And it's really low when you look at fuel right. cells because there's all these like little areas where it keeps getting whittled down. It's almost as if you're in cahoots with your viewers who are all in cahoots because that leads us directly into the next comment I wanted to bring up from <laughs> Sapel Steve who wrote, great video, Matt. Minus the efficiency differences, I was wondering what would be the comparable lifespan of similar capacity-sized fuel cells versus batteries. Would that make any discernible, discernible difference cost-wise over the long haul? Just curious. Thanks. Thumbs up, thumbs up. Happy face, happy face. <laughs> I don't have a good answer for this because I couldn't find, when I was doing the research for the video, I couldn't find good, I found information, but I didn't consider it super credible because fuel cells are still relatively new and there wasn't like really robust data I was finding about it. Mm -hmm. But uh, a fuel cell vehicle, to use a cars as an example, they tend to not last as long as a battery electric vehicle. They tend to have a higher maintenance cost than a battery electric vehicle because like an internal combustion engine, there's wear and tear on that thing that's creating the energy. Same thing for the fuel cell. Yeah, I, I couldn't find anything definitive as to like total lifespan. It'll last 15 years, 20 years, 30 years. I couldn't find good data that would support it one way or the other. Maybe in a couple of years as the technology continues to be researched, that stuff will become more readily available and you can revisit this. Oh, yeah. No, no. This, 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 as these become more widely used and some of the kinks get worked out, that's the other side of it is since it is still relatively new, it's like, okay, this it only lasts eight years. It's like, well, that's because this is a third gen or version. It's like when we talk about this in 10 years from now, they right. may last twice as long as they do today. Like so it's battery technology is in it's what, getting better. Yeah. Is in, you know, how many generations at this point versus fuel cells. I mean, fuel cells have the technology has been around a long time, but we haven't really used it right. in the way we're trying to use it now in a in a broad scale. So it's kind of the economies of scale, I think, are going to help make them better and better. Now I would like to transition away from the topic of the video. And as we usually do on our way out, talk a little bit about things that we are watching or consuming that are helping us get through the pandemic days that we're living through. And I will start. I'm getting around to a show that has been around for a year now. It is in its second season, but I have just started watching it. And it's filling the void left by having finished the Doom Patrol. My girlfriend and I have started watching The Boys, which is on oh, Amazon yeah. Prime. Yeah, yeah. And we've only watched the first episode. We both finished it and said, I liked it. Uh, it's very testosterone heavy. So yes, it's a little, yes. it's a, it's 
and it's called The Boys. And I have never read the source material, which is a series of graphic novels. I don't know for sure how testosterone laden they are compared to the TV show. I have a feeling that they are more so. But so far, I think that this is right in the same realm as the Doom Patrol and Watchmen and other superhero shows that are really capturing my attention lately, which is the not full deconstruction of it, but the incorporation of it into a world, real world setting. And I really like that the show runner, the creator of it is Kripke, who is the originator of the show Supernatural, which is another one that I really enjoy. And I reluctantly came around to that show based on the recommendation of my girlfriend who kept saying, you will like this, you will like this, you will like this. Hey, and hey, I do like it. I was there first. I told you that show was amazing. Because I love the, rela that. the relationship with the brothers. Yeah. I thought it was like, as brothers, I was like, he should be watching this. This is a great show. And yeah. he didn't. And just like them, I refused to listen to my brother. <laughs> 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 but when I came around, I came around. And with Supernatural also on its way out, uh, it's neat to see another show from Kripke who the sophistication of the boys with what they can do special effect wise. It's really an impressive show. So I'm looking yeah, forward I've, to getting more into that. My wife and I have been watching that. We watched it in real time last year when it came out and we just started watching season two just this past week, which I was like, if you didn't bring this up, I was probably gonna bring it up. Um, we really like the show. I think season one is better than season two so far. We've only gotten a couple episodes in. It's a fun show. The characters are really compelling. The relationships between the characters are very compelling. I and also really some, like Jack Quaid. Yeah. Who, yes. you can look at him and see both his mom and his dad in him. Oh my God, yeah. He he is so good. He is so yeah. good in that show. It's like you sometimes see like, you know, children of famous actors and you're like, you're only here because you're the son of somebody famous. And it's like you watch him in this and you're like, no, you deserve to be here. You're, you're, you're quite a talented actor. It's like he mm -hmm. clearly has has some skill and it's funny because he he looks like his dad but he's not like he's more he, a nerdier version of his dad he's as i said to my girlfriend i said he's not the uber man that his no. dad is his no. dad swaggers with you know his dad is a man and this yeah. guy comes across as like oh you can see the the cracks you can see the weakness and the yes. vulnerability in it. and and i i like that yeah, he's really, really good. I love Carl Urban. There was a TV show that he did where it was set in the almost future. Human. He was a cop. Yeah, almost, almost human. human. That I show was that so show. good. And he was <laughs> amazing. He was amazing yeah. in it. And he yeah. is amazing in this. It's like, I want more Carl Urban in my life. He is so good at pretty much everything I see him in. He's he's like an under, he's one of the most underrated actors on TV. He's, yeah. he's so good. The one show I was going to bring up, I've been watching over the past couple of weeks, few weeks. I'm not going to recommend this as a good show because it's in the grand scheme of things. It's not a good show. <laughs> I've been watching it anyway. And let me explain why. Okay. So on Netflix, there's this show called the new legends of monkey. And I started watching it because I like watching schlocky shows from time to time. They're great for like background filler. If you're doing other things, half watching it. And I thought this show looks kind of like, you know, a little Kung Fu, a little fighting, a little like, you know, that style of show. I'll just put that in the background. And the first season was to say rough would be an understatement. Like half the episodes were just bad, um, but I kept going. I just kept leaving it on the background, half watching it. And then by the end of the season, I realized 
I was not half watching it. I was three quarters watching it. And then by the end of the season, I was kind of watching, watching it. And then season two, I was genuinely watching it. And by the end of season two, which is all that's out there right now, I got to the final three episodes of season two and <laughs> I was going, I got these funny feelings inside. I, what, 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 what's happening right now? And I found myself in the final two episodes getting choked up. I'll admit it. I got a little weepy um, <laughs> in the final episode. I don't know how it happened that this show that is genuinely in the beginning a bad show. It's bad. It's just bad. By the end, it felt like they finally found their footing and they understood their characters. They understood the tone of the show. They understood what it was supposed to be about. And it turned into something that was kind of special by the end. And I really hope there's a season three. And here's what mm -hmm. I would compare it to. Season two finally figured out what it was. It's basically a new Xena or Hercules. Right. So if you liked those shows, which have action fights that are just crazy over the top, really uh, slapsticky kind of humor from time to time. It's it's a it's meant to be a comedy, but it's got action and adventure in it. And it's very broad, which comes across as it's meant a little more for kids to be palatable for kids, but broad enough that a wider audience can enjoy it too. That's what it is. And when I looked into like, where the hell did the show come from? Evidently, it's based on a show from the 70s that was a Japanese TV show about monkey. And... It was incredibly popular in Australia. And this show is an Australian-made show. So clearly it's like <laughs> they're rebooting the series. Right. Because it was a beloved show from the 70s. I found some episodes on YouTube of the original one. And I thought the first season of this show was bad. That show is just unwatchable. It is, you want to talk about like, you know, Doctor old Doctor Who's where it's like the set looks like it's made of cardboard. Sure, like, it's their version you, of that. It's the, it's the Japanese version of that from the 70s where it's like there almost is no set. They just had a fog machine going and there was people walking around this gigantic room with fog on the floor. It was mm -hmm. really weird. And it's really, it, it comes across as a little anime, you know, where it's mm -hmm. like very broad, like characters going, oh, yeah. <laughs> those kind of moments. Almost Kabuki and, inspired. Yes. So th that's why I found it interesting about it. the reason part of the first season was really bad was it didn't seem to know if it wanted to be a drama a comedy action like it it didn't know what it wanted to be and it was season two that felt hercules xena it started to understand the balance of the type of humor it needed the type of storytelling it needed with little hints of drama every once in a while and by the end of season two there was a part of the story arc of the season started to pay off and it was very emotional and very kind of moving mm -hmm. and it was like it was surprised me so it's i i if you like Shows like Xena and Hercules, I think it's probably worth giving a shot. Right. But you might want to skip season one because it's really, it's really <laughs> rough. My wife walked into the room at one point when I was watching one of the episodes and she looked at the screen and went, wait, this is live action. I thought you were watching a cartoon show. Like, yeah. because the way that they act and the dialogue happens, it feels very animated. I, th I thought when she said that, it was like crystal clear. It's like, yes, this basically is a live action anime. That's basically what this is. And it's what Xena and Hercules were too. So it's, yeah. it's in that wheelhouse. Sounds good. I think I will check it out because that does sound like it's in my wheelhouse. So we hope everybody else is finding their programming that helps them get through these strange days. Let us know what you're watching. Let us know what you think about this episode of the podcast or Matthew's most recent episode of his channel. 
You can reach out to us on Twitter at stillTBDFM. You can reach out to me directly at by Sean Farrell, and you can reach out to Matt at either at Matt Farrell or at UndecidedMF. Please be sure to watch for the latest videos from Undecided with Matt Farrell on YouTube, and you can subscribe to him and leave comments there. You can find the podcast at stilltbd.fm. Please do subscribe. You can find us on all the major podcast providers like iTunes or Spotify. Please be sure to give us a rating, a review, and share us with your friends. It really does help the podcast. The podcast really helps the channel. The channel helps Matthew. And then Matthew lets me sleep in. (laughs) Thanks so much, everybody. Talk to you next time. Jojo wrote, I keep saying hydrogen production. (laughs) Oh, Jojo. (laughs) Why you got to say it like that? (laughs) Jojo wrote, I keep saying hydrogen. (laughs) You sound like I do when I'm trying to record my episodes. There's a word I just get caught up on. I just can't say it. Okay, here we go, Jojo. We're going to get there. Jojo wrote, I keep saying hydrogen production. <laughs> now I'm stuck on production. <laughs> okay, one more time. Jojo wrote, I keep saying hydrogen production would be... <laughs> oh my God. Hydrogen production. Hydrogen production. Hydrogen production. <laughs> <laughs>